Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Good evening. Welcome to uh, our Facebook Live broadcast from Oikos Ministries. I'm your host, Terrell Abair. Uh, we've been teaching through a, we just started a new series last week called Strongholds and literally tearing down strongholds. And so, um, if you'd like to catch up on that one from last week or any of our other teachings, you can go to our website, www.housechurchesusa.com and you can look into all, navigate through the site. There's all kind of teachings and study helps and books, uh, videos. There's all kind of podcasts. You can go through there and I believe you'll be blessed. So we're glad you're with us tonight. We thank you for tuning in and joining up. There was a lot of interest in this subject last week. Uh, we had a uh, we, we had a lot of people view our site and view the reels. and the, So it's a, I think it's a, a, a pertinent, a timely subject for the night. And uh, I'm going to reread our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now that's our text. We're using that. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week we pointed out that the weapons of our warfare, I want you to notice that it is a warfare. Christians, if you've come to Christ, you are in a warfare. You have to understand this. And it's a volatile situation. You can die in war. You can be wounded in war. You can suffer loss and injury in war. You have to understand this. And I'm praying that as we go through this series, we can strike down a whole lot of Christian preconceived notions, misnomers, misunderstandings, and even false doctrines, spirits of error, all this kind of stuff that uh, literally keep people bound in their sin. And so tonight, as we uh, as we get into this, I, I want to start that with the idea, okay, there's a, a doctrine out there called once saved, always saved. And if you believe in once saved, always saved, you pretty much write off any idea about what the scripture teaches concerning the stronghold and the strong man. You just don't believe you're, you think you have this automatic immunity. And I want to tell you, many Christians believe they're automatically immune from the onslaughts of the devil. And, uh, uh, there's a, a question that's been going around for years and people ask it all. Can a Christian have a demon? And so uh, I want to tell you, we are a uh, a triune being. We have a spirit, a soul and a body. That soul is mind, will and emotion. And we have a physical body. I believe that a Christian could get demonized in every part of their physical body except the spirit. If a demon were to get into your spirit, I believe that would be the last hurrah. I think that would literally be where you get to where you lose your salvation. And so uh, now I, I know there are people out there who do not believe that it can exist. 
But listen to me carefully. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can insult the Holy Spirit. You can even blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And so the idea of severing the relationship or even the slow sifting where we lose that relationship. And this is what the warfare is about. Let me explain this to you. There is an enemy of your soul that hates God, that hates Jesus Christ, that hates the image of God, that hates you and wants to literally destroy you. It is not that he just wants to kill you. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to literally uh, mar that image of Christ and make a ridicule out of your life before he does so. And this is the issue that you are in a war. And if you don't realize that you're beat already. If you didn't realize you were, you thought, why are we going in this room? And you thought we're just going in here to, uh, you know, just to be some happy, uh, a nice little gathering. But when we walk in there, there's a boxing ring and you're going to fight Mike Tyson that night. I, I, I got a news for you. You walk in unprepared, unready, and you're going to get beat up really, really bad. And I believe this is happening to Christians all over the world and with a misunderstanding that they don't, that they think they're immune. The apostle Paul said that there was a messenger of Satan given hint to him to buffet him. And if you think that if it could happen to the apostle Paul, could it happen to you? Well, yes, the answer is absolutely yes. And so uh, I was reading uh, some articles by uh, Sister Lynette Hughes today, and I, and I have to agree with her. She has this great point about the temple of God. And you say, can a Christian have a demon? Well, the temple of God was shared by idols for many years, many, many years under the reign of Manasseh and other kings. They had idols in the temple, but they never were in the holiest of holies. The three parts of the temple, the outer court, the, the holy place and then the holiest of all. It's really just like the picture of, of God, the triune nature of God. And it's just like the picture of man, the triune nature of man, that there is a physical body. A devil could absolutely attack you there in your physical body. You have a mind, a will and emotion. That's the soul. The devil could attack you there and demonize you there. And there is the spirit. This is the place where in the new covenant, we get a new heart, a new spirit. This is the place where the Holy Spirit resides. And if you don't understand that the volatility of the soul, the mind, the emotions and the decision making processes are literally uh, uh, vulnerable to the warfare that goes on. And we've seen numerous people just brought down over the years. And if you believe, as I do, that you could lose your salvation, we've watched that even happen as literally folks return to the vomit. And, and so I want to tell you, there is a way. You're in a war. That's my emphasis. I have to stay with it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Now, last week we talked about fortress warfare, how the United States, literally uh, the, the United States of America was won through fortress warfare. The army would go in, clear out all the hostiles, build a fort, then the settlers would come. The army would go forward to a new territory, clear out the hostiles, build a fort, hold that area. The settlers would come. That's a stronghold. They would build a fort, a fortress, a stronghold. And let me emphasize that word one more time. Stronghold. Literally, if you have a stronghold, you have the grip on it. One of the ideas of stronghold is to possess. Now, if you get into this idea that uh, in a stronghold, that's the attacks that happen to the human body, to, 
that happens to those, and I'm even talking about Christians, in warfare, that the enemy finds a stronghold, roots himself there, and then wages war against you and just torments, oppresses, uh, does everything he can to trip you up, make you live in defeat, keep you absolutely uh, on the ropes all the time. You just never seem to be able to have victory and keep and a sustained victory. And if you understand that, then we can realize what needs to happen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, which is bring us to our points tonight. And it says that for the for casting down, look at that. Now, I want to tell you, let's talk when it, the word casting brought me back to ekbalo, the, uh, the Greek language, ekbalo, to throw violently down. Like, I mean, I mean, just to throw it down. Jesus cast out devils and he told us to cast out devils. And this is part of the Christian ministry. In my name shall you speak with my new tongue. You shall cast out devils. You shall heal the sick. We we see so little of this because literally most people don't believe you can have a demon. As a matter of fact, when you say demon in America, most people just, oh, yeah, they roll your eyes at no, no, these are mental health and mental diseases and disorders and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you what, every bit of that would have been classified as demonic in biblical time. So why do we write them off now? And so basically, if you go into a, a, a mental health issue, uh, and if you mention the word, if you say to your psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever you may be seeing that you have a, you feel like you have a demon, they're going to write you down and begin to prescribe drugs to you. And they're going to call you all kind of bipolar. They're going to call you all kind of, um, uh, schizophrenic. They're going to call you, they, they, they listen, they're going to call you delusion. And so they're going to medicate you to keep that under check. That's what they're going to do. Now, the bottom line is I believe there's many people who need deliverance. Can we just say that? As a matter of fact, let's look at that word. The, the word sozo, which is where we get the English word saved. Many people have been saved. The word saved is a very broad word term. It could be saved to save, rescue, deliver, heal. I mean, basically, many people have been rescued from evil, brought out of a bad situation, have their have a turn. God's a good God. He does good things for people. But that does not necessarily make you born again. You understand that? And so there are many people who have experienced some sort of the salvation or a measure of the salvation of God, but have not been born again. You see, it's in that new birth where you get the new heart and the new spirit. This is the place the Holy Spirit is going to occupy in the new covenant. Once Christ has become Lord of that person, he gets a new heart, a new uh, uh, spirit, and the spirit of God will inhabit the heart of man. And so then we have the vulnerable territory of the mind, the emotions, the will, and the physical body. And we'll get to those as we go. But he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not uh, AK-47s, AR-15. They're none of those uh, high-powered rifles and guns and pistols. It's not any, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Now, this word imaginations has always captured my thoughts. 
The idea, now many of your modern versions, if you're reading from a newer version of the Bible, uh, other than King James Version, you will read arguments. And that's a good word. It's a good translation. I like the old one because of the vain imagination that is repeated throughout Scripture. I like staying with that thought. And so when we look at the idea of the vain imagination or the imaginations, going all the way back to the first mention of that in Genesis chapter 6, uh, we read where in the days of Noah, and Jesus referred to this, he says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So something would be repetitive from as the days of Noah. Now we know the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were fair to look upon. They cohabitated and they made giants in those days. And so literally giants were born. A hybrid was born as a mixture of the, the sons of God and the, the daughters of the world. Uh, uh, they would come together and they made these giants. And it said, and God saw that the imaginations of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. That passage right there grabbed my attention years ago when I first became a Christian. And it literally captivated my ideas because it was like I was such a wreck when I came to Christ. I was like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with my thinking? Why do I think the way I think? And so I had all kind of years to build habitual patterns of thought. And I was a wreck. I was a mess. And so when we start looking at that, the idea, I'm sure you're better than I was, but I'm telling you, I, after 40 years of counseling, I, I want to tell you that, that we're all a mess. And it, But when we see that the imaginations of the thoughts of the heart were only evil continue. And so if you look at heart, the heart uh, thought originates in the heart and then it is processed in the mind. And so the heart is the seat of value. And when the Holy Spirit is now uh, determining value, then literally he's going to say, you know, think on these things or don't you forbid or go for it. Green lights, red lights. The Holy Spirit will certainly get in the conversation to to lead us, to guide us, to warn us, convict us. He's that relationship we have to the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Now, we still have a free will and we could override him and he lets you. That's the terrible. I wish we wouldn't. I wish he would just say, nope, you ain't doing it. I wish it worked that way, but he still lets you. He's going to prove you and see if you will keep God's commandment or not. And listen, the conditions we have with the Holy Spirit, we could grieve him. We could quench him. We could insult him. We could blaspheme him. And ultimately, we could drive him out, lose the soul. So just keep that in mind as we go. So casting down imagination. These are arguments that come into the head or come into your feelings against what you know about God. And so it's demonic arguments that argue down, cast doubt, undermine, just like when the devil visited Eve, has God truly said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Did God really say? And he'll just start to cast doubt in there. And, and, and this is what he does to us. And we begin to entertain that thought and we're in a problem. He'll begin to affect the emotions. And let, let me just say this concerning the whole triune nature of man. Uh, so much of the physical body has to do with uh, how we feel. OK, and vice versa, how we think will affect our feelings, how we feel will affect our thoughts. It works on each other. The, the, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. There's a distinction between soul and spirit 
and joint and marrow. And so he makes the division there, spirit, soul, joint marrow, the physical body. And so he makes that triune thing seen. But the word of God is a discerner within all of this. So we have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. And these should be in our heart and beginning to seek the value, whether we're going to entertain a thought or not, uh, whether we're going to build on that thought or not. Turn with me to First Thessalonians and in the fourth chapter. I mean, second chapter, excuse me. Second chapter. Second Thessalonians. Did I say that? Or did, did I say first? I don't remember. My bad. Second Thessalonians chapter two. In verse three, he says, let it's the apostle Paul writing, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now he's warning us of the coming of Antichrist, the Antichrist. Now, the apostle John warned us that 2000 years ago, many Antichrists had already entered the world. And I can, I can assure you, Antichrist is a religious demon. Okay. We'll get back to that. We're going to go very much in depth in that as this study progresses. Antichrist is a religious spirit. The Antichrist will be a religious de- uh, uh, entity. I guess you call him a person, but he will be a totally demonized son of Satan. He said that day will not come. Let, don't let anybody deceive you. That day will not come unless there come a great falling away. Falling away how? From truth. Always, this is a departure from truth. Apostasion. It literally means to fall away from the truth. We fall away from, and there's not, look, there's many people who fall away from truth and still go to church. As a matter of fact, most of the American church, right now, most people that go to church do not believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. That's a fact. I mean, this is a, a big thing, whether you know it. If you can't take the word of God as the established authority, this is the final authority of God's spoken word. If you can't take that, I don't know how we even have a discussion at that point. I don't know. You, you just believe whatever you make up or whatever someone else made up. So let no man deceive you by any means. Well, it's easy to get deceived when you don't believe the Bible is God's authority. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. You can turn that around and say the sinning man be revealed. And if you don't think this is happening in real time right now as we speak, people are sinning with almost no restraint. Even church folks sin without restraint right now. No conviction. They don't feel any bad. They can go to church because there's no conviction whatsoever in there. Okay. now watch this. The man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, literally that's a son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Now notice that. Remember, we're talking about the imaginations of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. These imaginations, these arguments that come into our head, come into our emotions, that literally exalt themselves above how what you think about God, what you know about God, right? And so the, these are demonic arguments and they are literally fostered and introduced and, and supported by a demon called Antichrist. A demon spirit called Antichrist. 
Now, you may be tormented or afflicted by a demon spirit called Antichrist, but that doesn't make you the Antichrist. I tell, look, I've dealt with many people who just lose it and just say, I'm the Antichrist. I'm the Antichrist. You're not the Antichrist. So you might have a demon of Antichrist, but you're not the Antichrist. I can assure you. All right. And so when we go, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, I believe this is the, the, the literally the modus operandi, the satanic modus operandi or the operandi of the, 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 the of the Antichrist spirit. He wants to sit in the temple. We're the temple of God. We are the temple of God. All right. He wants to sit in the temple of God. He wants to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship. Oh, that's not a sin. That's just a that's a disease. That's not a sickness. I mean, that that that's just that's just a, a mental health problem. You have a physical problem. Everything's medical now and science wants to absolutely undo anything that the Bible called sin. OK, so as we begin to clarify and and put the proper biblical term and call things what they are, then all of a sudden it gets uncomfortable to folks. Right. Because we would rather say, you know, I have no control of it. But look, we have to uh, we have to really take control of it. We have to literally own responsibility for the things. Some of these issues come down to this. What comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of thought? OK, for instance, let me show you one, one point. Suppose God says, fear not. That ain't a supposing. That is not a supposition. God demands that we fear not. As a matter of fact, if you fast forward from fear not in the Old Testament all the way to the end, the, one of the greatest things that God looks at is that the fearful and the unbelievable uh, uh, and the abominable, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable, the whoremonger, all these will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So God has no tolerance for fear. Right. But yet everything's a phobia and a fear these days. And so when we look at that, if I let my life be governed by fear, think this through carefully. How many people out there are dealing with fear? <laughs> oh, if I wanted to be real charismatic, I believe the Lord's telling me somebody out there has fear in their life. Oh, come on. Every last one of you listening got some kind of fear that you deal with. Right? And so when we issue the, when we, we deal with the issue of fear, if you allow fear to stay in your life and, and until it becomes, not just the idea of a, 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 some, something happens and you become afraid. That's not a spirit of fear. When you let a spirit of fear begin to dictate, when you stay fearful long enough, a spirit of fear will inhabit that. Now watch the, watch the adverse reflection, uh, 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 reaction that takes place. When you stay fearful long enough, your body will begin to, your, your, your kidneys, uh, right on top of your kidneys, the adrenal glands will begin to excrete adrenaline, and it, which is a natural hormone that God put in us that literally uh, causes us to be able to endure extra uh, circumstances, heavy circumstances. So he gives us this adrenaline flow that we can have the stamina, the ability to work through something that's very difficult even for prolonged, prolonged periods of time. Now, if we never come out of that, we stay in fear. The kidney, the, the adrenaline glands keep on producing. Uh, we literally get overdosed with it and we become chemically imbalanced. And so we will see that, okay, look at this. Could a physical demon, a demon get into the adrenal gland and kick that puppy in high gear 
and, and, uh, and adversely affect you where you stress out and, and stay anxious all the time? You answer your own question. I guarantee you this would have happened. For instance, uh, the liver seems to indicate uh, or, or dictate emotion. Uh, it's really the source of joy, if you really want to get down to it. From the liver, suppose, just suppose a demonic entity entered your liver. And you just can't ever seem to, you've lost that love and feeling. You can't ever seem to have a, 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 a positive emotion. Anybody out there listening to me? Oh, it couldn't be that. We need some, uh, I, you know, I don't, I've lost, I've learned names here like Zarelta. I, I don't know how many, I sit and watch TV for 15 minutes and I learned 30 new drug names. <sighs> Maybe if we'd adhere to these teachings, you could save a whole lot of money. Put a lot of uh, snake oil salesmen out of business. Oh, did I say that out loud? Help me now. All right, look carefully. So we see that the, 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 the spirit of Antichrist wants to sit in the temple of God. Well, that's us. God says we are the temple of God. He said, well, a Christian can't have a demon. It will never get in the holiest of all unless we literally lose our salvation. But if you can't overcome in the battle, eventually he's going to get to that sweet spot. That's what he wants. He will fight you. He's an expert in strategia, warfare. He wants to take you down. He wants to kill you. He wants to mar God's image in you. He wants to make you falter before the unbeliever and make you a mockery and a laughing stock. It's not, it ain't just that he wants to rip you to shreds and torture. Hell, he wants to, but what he wants to do is make God look bad. This is the war you're in, saints of God. Now, because you're tormented, that might prove more that you are in the fight. Do you understand that? You're worth fighting for. And you have to get this victory. I explained it last week when the Apostle John wrote, I've written unto you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. It's somewhere in our adolescent stages of Christianity that we get enough of God's word in us that we begin to win some battles on our own and we stand on our own feet and the word of God abides us and we become overcome, victorious. Come on, man. But so many fail at this juncture to even get God's word in them. And so the, the wicked one, he wants to put imaginations, arguments in your head that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Let me explain something. Let me show you three things that, uh, that happened. Three times in the ministry of Jesus, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my son. If Jesus needed affirmation from heaven, what do you think you and I need? Now, look, Caleb never stopped. It's just, it's just, it's so sappy now. It never stopped. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. It just never stops as an interest, as an un. But what we need is the divine affirmation in our soul that you're a son or a daughter of God. And that reaffirmation keeps you in the victory. I mean, this happened when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. It got him for the, ready for the wilderness fight. And he went and he defeated the devil for 40 days in the wilderness. Come on. 
If you be the son of God, he was ready. (laughs) He was ready. He was constantly trying to make him doubt whether he was a child of God or not. If you be the son of God. Right before Jesus went to the cross, there was a voice from heaven and it, it said, he said, Father, glorify your name. And he said, I have glorified. I will glorify it again. He got him ready for the cross on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son. Hear him. God literally reconfirmed Christ three times, and I believe he'll do it for us as well. And if we see this idea, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down these imaginations and these arguments that exalt themselves, that lift themselves above the knowledge of God. God's not going to do that to me. God wouldn't judge me. God's not. Folks, you're deceiving yourself. Let no man deceive you, not even yourself, by any means. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I hope I'm getting my point across. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the demolition of strongholds. What we have at hand, the task at hand is to destroy the stronghold in your life. All right. He wants to demolish the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. I believe that that the first realm of or the first wave of deliverance to a person comes at the cross. The cross itself should be the initial deliverance for any person. That as we come to Christ, our hearts are broken and, and there at the cross of Christ, we get, we, 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 we die with Christ. We're buried with, we come up a new creature with a new heart and a new spirit. Okay. Prone, bent toward keeping the commandments of God. Then all of a sudden we realize that our minds that are still in a work of sanctification or beginning work of sanctification, our minds are, are, I can speak to this from my experience. My mind was like a blank slate. Let me, let me just say, I was not, academics was not my favorite at school. I did not like academics. I did not like to go to, I didn't mind going to school. I liked the social life. I hated classwork. And so by the time I got saved, uh, I was still a blank paper. I was pretty dumb. Okay. And so the first real quest to, for knowledge and learning came with the word of God. I wanted to know God's word. And boy, I was a blank paper. And boy, it just. I'm so grateful I didn't have a bunch of academics. I never took algebra in my life. Praise God. I still don't need it. And so somebody praise him. All right. I'm 65. I need algebra starting tomorrow. It's just too late, Jack. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. All right. Hallelujah. Look, I count numbers and I add and I spell with letters. Okay. Don't mix them two. That's of the devil. Hallelujah. No, really, I was, I'm glad I was a blank slate. I didn't really have a bunch of stuff of humanistic length. I'm thankful the university didn't indoctrinate me. Hmm? 
I mean, I just spent about seven years after high school just smoking dope and getting drunk and literally uh, destroying my mind, all right, my physical body. And so I was so blank whenever it came to my Christianity. I got a new heart, a new spirit. Teach me something, God. And the word of God has been just permanently, indelibly marked on me. And, And it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey to learn the word of God and to literally change, repent, change my thinking. This is the initial deliverance that comes at the cross. Now, we still have a soul, a mind, an emotion. Listen to me carefully. And here's this, uh, most people have developed patterns of thought. Here's another idea. Suppose a demon gets in your physical brain and literally wants to disrupt patterns of thought. Or literally create such a, a channel that your brain doesn't want to go anywhere but in that channel. That's how your mind works. Go look it up. And so literally the grace of God, the goodness of God that allows us to repent can literally recapture the brain, the physical brain of man, and we could put on the mind of Christ. And the word of God can begin to get a victory in our thinking. What if our emotions have been allowed to run amok and we we make decisions based on feeling? I'm sad. I must not be a Christian. I'm happy. I must be saved. Oh, how exhausting that we live by emotion. We we reason with emotion. You see, when we have the word of God and we have the Holy Spirit, we still have a human spirit. He's still there. Right. And there's communications going on. But suppose a devil gets in the mix and starts talking as well. Right. So we have this dialogue or this 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 uh, discussion going on in the heart and mind of man. And literally, we have to be able to, by the word of God, discern who's speaking. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. But most never develop the hearing ear. Most never obey the spirit. Most never get the word of God. In. And very few victories are ever won. And I'm not doubting that, every, that people actually get saved. But what I do understand is that almost none get developed. There's almost like we, 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 we there's purposeful invalidation. It's almost like we keep people invalid. It's like we don't feed them. We don't, we don't nurture them. We don't grow them. We don't ever cause responsibility to come to them. Just sit there and listen to somebody preach. And it's not the kind of preaching that would set a soul free. And so we have to understand that the imagination, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, pulling down a stronghold, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so if we if we don't get the facts of God's word, suppose you've developed a, a stronghold of tradition in your life. Well, I was taught this. We never believed like that. We always thought this way. Well, tradition governs you and will not allow you to learn God's word. When God's word persists, we don't believe that. We Baptists. I actually had a woman say that one time. I know what the Bible says, but we're Baptist. That's a great argument, right? Hallelujah. Somebody said that. That's a real thing. I know what the Bible says, but we're Baptist. Wow, that gives you a free pass. 
I guess if we, because I know what the Bible says, but we're atheists. Oh, okay. It's better. Okay. That resolved that. So the weapons of our warfare, we are in a war. Come on, say that with me out there. We are in a war. I am targeted in this war. I'm telling you, something's trying to kill me. Now you said it for yourself. Something's trying to kill you. All right. But first he wants you to make, he wants to, to make you blaspheme God. It ain't enough to kill you. He wants to insult God before he does. He wants to mar God's image in your life. That's what he's up to with you. And so he wants to derail all your thinking. He wants to derail your emotions, your thinking, your, your thoughts and your pattern. Jesus gave us a, a deliverer. Jesus is a deliverer. He is a savior. He wants to deliver your whole being, spirit, soul, and body free. Do you understand this? Okay, stay with it. Watch. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. I believe in a mighty God. And I don't care how strong your stronghold is. I believe we got a God who's stronger than that. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, though, as great of weaponry as we have with this great armor, with the great Holy Ghost, I mean, God living inside of us. And here we have the armor of God, the weapons of our war, the word of God, the blood of Jesus. We have so much equipment to defeat the devil with. And yet we still have free will. And if you choose to disobey God, there begins to be chinks in the armor. You're taking blows after blow after blow and you begin to disobey and you live in disobedience long enough and I'm going to tell you right now you're going to have a visitor come into one of them strongholds and nestle in there and burrow into a stronghold. A stronghold a fortified area in your mind in your emotions in your reasoning faculties your decision making your physical body any part of your being not your spirit a stronghold could be developed where he's you've you've bought into this argument long enough. You've been deceived and a strong man comes. Turn with me to Luke 11. Luke 11 and I think Matthew 12 are very much telling the same story. And, uh, it's powerful, powerful understanding. We'll start in verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against the house falls. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. But if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come to you. There's a very powerful verse here. <clears throat> Jesus begins to lay out the idea of warfare himself. And he said, if Satan cast out Satan, because that's what we're accusing him of, you cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, Lord of the flies. And so literally they, I won't go in, Beelzebub was literally the Lord of the flies. There were so many flies, it was like demons, and they came out of dung. They saw flies on dung, so they said, Satan is Lord of the flies. There were people who actually worshipped dung. And so the Lord of the flies, 
because the hordes of demons that he was over. And so he said, you cast out devils by Beelzebub. And Jesus said, if I cast them out by Beelzebub, by who do your children cast them out? But, but you see, if Satan casts out Satan, he's showing a principle of war. If Satan is doing that to his own kingdom, he'll destroy his own kingdom. Now, here's what's happened in the Christian community. We've been, ki- we've been casting out the Holy Ghost and the Word of God forever. We've been destroying the kingdom of God on earth over and over again. And this has literally been through the strategy of the warfare of demonic uh, entities getting in the hearts and heads of people. And literally we get all kind of notions and we scatter the power of the holy people. Daniel prophesied that after that, the, the, that, that he has accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things should be accomplished. And that's what happens literally in, in America. There's like uh I, I don't know how many people are still in church, but ever how many are there, people are in church? That's how many belief systems there are. Everybody got their own belief system and do not believe they have to be consistent with any other. It's my deal. Okay. And that's what we're having. It's amazing to me that we can't unify. And I'm not talking kumbaya uh, 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 ecumenicalism. Do, do not mistake this for one. But the spirit of unity and the unity of faith, uh, literally, these things should go hand in hand. And everywhere I've ever been in the world, I can tell you right now, when I find another believer who has, who has been, who has experienced the new birth and is trying their best to serve God, I have no problem fellowship. We walk arm and arm. We, we don't even care about our histories. We just start doing whatever's necessary. It's really cool. And so, uh, they no use to reevaluate that until something divides. Okay. And so, and that's what the enemy tries to do. Divide us. Okay. But if Satan cast out Satan, how will his kingdom stand? See, I believe it's time to turn this warfare around and make Satan cast out Satan. I, I really think it's time to push the envelope there. That that turn on each other. How many times did God turn the battle and the enemies of the, of, of Israel begin to fight each other? Huh? That's what needs to happen. If, if Christians with any guts, any intestinal fortitude would just begin to pray, let the devils fight each other. Make them turn on each other. Make them slay each other. Make them beat each other up. Cause the wheels to come off their chariot. Cause them, Lord God, to, to spend their monies on things that are, let all their money be invested in wrong things. Let them fall to nothing. Wow. What if just one God said, I don't give a rip. So if God wants to save one of them, let them. But right now we're in a warfare. God turned my air. If you don't want that and dead, because I'm finna shoot him. I'm praying him down. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when Joshua was swinging, Joshua pulled his sword on Jesus. Do you know that? <laughs> Are you for us or against us? Oh, I'm the captain of the host. Oops. <laughs> Where'd I hide that sword? My bad. He pulled his sword on Jesus. It's a real thing. He was in fight mode. We ain't got nobody in fight mode now. We're just in love mode. I love everybody. We love the devil. We want the devil to be saved and that he's going to get saved. I know he will. Lord, people, please understand. This is kind of foolish. This kind of folly. It's not an anointing. It is literally demonic vomit on you. It's not the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's literally humanistic vomit. And we think it's an anointing. 
It ain't saving nobody. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook mush. And nobody gets delivered. Nobody gets saved, healed, or set free. Everybody's just in a big, nice fest. We're all nicer than God, and nobody's getting saved. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, then the kingdom of God's come to you. I can tell you this much. When Pharaoh saw the power of Moses, he said, this ain't nothing but the finger of God. Tell you another place where the finger of God was dealt with. On Mount Sinai, God took that finger and scribed into the tablets of stone, no God before me. And he wrote the 10 with the finger of God. But Jesus said something else. This same passage in Matthew 12, he said, if, if I, if, if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And so the kingdom of God and the spirit of God and the finger of God are literally uh, interchangeable here in this thought that Jesus cast out devils by the king, by the spirit of God. This is the kingdom come and the Holy Ghost is greater than the devil. Our problem is is not that we are submitted to the Holy Spirit. Our problem is that we have so many open areas of ignorance in our head. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have so many vulnerable places of emotion. <laughs> they do not be nice. Christianity is all nice. Come on. If all we're in is pity parties and, and, and worldly sorrow and worldly grief, our emotions rule. When God struck Aaron's two sons dead, he said, don't you grieve for them. Dried up. They were devils. Today, they, we put, the two angels got their wings today. So goofy. We are so messed up. We have been deceived from every quatrain, every angle. There's deception. And their arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and they're all disguised in humanistic niceties, tolerance. Tolerance is the anointing of the humanist. It's humanistic holiness. It's basically the, wow, it's the, 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 the foundational characteristic of a coward. No conviction. If I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out devils, then the kingdom of God has come to you. The kingdom has come. It came on the day of Pentecost. And now Jesus has given us of His Spirit. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will receive power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. When He sent His disciples out, He said, Go. Go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. How many times did he tell us, cast out devils? Not shoo them away, not pray them away, cast them out. Go in the name of Jesus. I like to use the pow, my pow. Go in Jesus name. Read it. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. 
But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him his armor wherewith he trusted and divides the spoils. Now, what if the Holy Ghost is your strong man? And you get chipped away at day after day after day because you have some vulnerable area of your mind, your emotions, your physical body. You literally let the devil have victory in some arena of your life. And he's chipping away at you, pecking away at you till you're condemned every day. Till the Spirit of God is grieved at your lack of faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We get in unbelief. We don't even believe anymore that we can have victory. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. Now, we've always read that as the demonic, and I believe this can go either way. Yeah, when a devil uh, is, is got his goods in place, and now, now we can get into the idea, was it a person, a believer or not? I, I can tell you this much. Uh, I believe this is all written to Christian folk. This is written to the believer. All right? You cast the devil. We have power over the devil to cast the devil out of an unsaved person. He's coming right back in. Seen it a hundred times. Get into a tete-a-tete with a demonized person who is not saved and literally make the devil go and that person never gets saved, never gets right with God and right back in. And it's just, it's just worse and worse as he goes. Really maybe more harm than good. But for the moment, we seem to have a little, we, maybe we want a skirmish or a battle, but it wasn't no victory. And so when we see this idea that a strong man, and we're going to get into this next week. I'm not, we don't have time tonight to get into it. But when a strong man, we're going to identify strong men next week. When a strong man keeps his, ballot, his palace, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger than him comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes away the armor with it where he trusted. So if, what if we're that strong man? We're the sons and daughters of God. We're the strong man. We have the Holy Ghost in our heart, born again. All right. But we see that we're having battles in the mind and battles in the heart, uh, in, in the emotions, excuse me, and battles in the physical body. All right. These battles, these, it's raging on. And so we've got to look at these things and take some battles and win some victories. All right. And there's a struggle there. It's a real battle. And it's time for some Christians to start winning some victories. How do we win? By faith. The weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. And you've got to come to the place. I have a vulnerability here. I can, and that's what I'm going to help you do in just a few minutes here. Identify the stronghold. So, well, let's, let's kind of look at them. All right. Let me, let me just, I'm going to flip a page in my little booklet here. Uh, I, I wrote this years ago. Uh, the origin of strongholds. Okay, let's, let's look at them just for a minute. There are three powerful origins of where a stronghold comes from. Number one, past experience. Past experiences. Your upbringing could have been of one in a house of violence or a house of drugs or a house of depression or anxiety. Perversion could have ruled the roost. 
And I've named many that I can I can tell you most of you sitting out there have been afflicted. You might you might have been in an abusive situation where a, a one of the persons in the house is a control freak or a or a, a literally curses everybody, makes everybody afraid. Maybe there's perverse sexual perversion, sexual sin. Uh, there's all sort. Well, I could go into and, and some of this is just literally it's just kind of picking the scab off of some of you right now. As I'm speaking this stuff, as you bring up your past experience, you say, well, we're not supposed to. That's all under the blood. Let me tell you something, folks. If you've not built, if you're not demolished the stronghold and built a healthy stronghold that the Holy Ghost occupies, where you literally have victory over the devil in that area, then there all bets are off, folks. Don't talk to me about oh, that's under the blood. That's uh, my past is forgiven. Yeah, you're forgiven. Now yeah, you're forget. Have you literally, have you now obeyed to pulling down the stronghold? Have you repented? Oh, wait, there's some new info. Repentance and faith are the foundational doctrines of the teaching of Christ. If you've not changed your thinking, are you his disciple? Has he, have you sat at his feet till he taught you a new way? Did he teach you to think differently? Did you observe the master and learn a different emotion and response and reaction? Well, my mama always did. My daddy always did. Well, uh, we were around this and we were around that. Well, you've got a new daddy called God. We learn through observation and through through association and through fellowship. When we sit in the presence of God, he affects us deeply. He rubs off on us way more than mom and daddy. Come on. I don't fault mom and daddy. They are who they are. They, they, they did their best. They, they did a great job, the best they could. But let me tell you something, folks. God is a better daddy than everybody out there. As a matter of fact, God's a better mama than you are, mamas. Ha. He's the best. God is God. He's the best. And so when we learn it from the Father and get a new heart, a new spirit, we begin to get a new mind. Our feelings begin to change. We get our physical bodies healed and delivered. Folks, past experiences. You may have been traumatized by a past experience. You may have had a horror happen that made you afraid. You may have had a, a, a molestation take place that perverted your way. You may have had a physical curse spoken of you that literally doomed your very existence. Well, that's under the blood. Folks, please quit talking Christianese, especially when you're defeated. If you're literally caught in a cycling sin and you're not free, you need to hear what I'm telling you. Unplug your ears. Ifrata, Ifrata, be open. Pull the plug out your ear. It's a spirit, a seducing spirit. It's a doctrine of devils that don't want you to hear this. Past experiences can literally defeat and derail our lives today. This is one place of strongholds. Suppose you have patterns of thought. You see, when the apostle Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. 
A youthful lust could be a pattern of behavior established from when we were very young. And suppose you just, I just want to have my way all the time. If I don't get my way, see, you never, easy, Terrell. Some people have just never been punched in the mouth. That's all I'm going to say. Calm. I mean that in the lovingest kind. You need your bottom whooped. That will deliver your soul from hell. Beat him with a rod and he'll deliver him from hell. Cruel, wicked. Wasn't that horrible? He will not die. I didn't. Made it just fine. Now, look. Let me just, I'm going to put them out there real quick. Past experiences. Okay. Wrong belief systems. That's a biggie. For instance, once saved, always saved. You, if you believe in once saved, always saved. A Christian can't have a demon. You're whooped. Sure was senseless of these masterful writers. And why in God's name would he put his word on this and put his name? He, he honors his word above his own name and wrote the book, put it in the book and warned us about a warfare. And he said, that, that can't affect me. Boy, if you can just write off every page of the Bible, you just need a leaflet. Okay. Past uh, uh, Rome belief systems is a second, literally the development of, of religious traditions that are error, doctrines of devil, spirits of error. We're going to get into all that. Okay. I just want to establish where you're, where you got your stronghold from. The third one is called environmental influences. So we have past experiences. We have wrong belief systems. We have environmental influences. Now, wrong belief systems aren't just theological. We can have all kind of ways of thinking. Sometimes I listen to some reasoning and rationale from people. I go, wow. How do you conclude such? You're exhausting. When your mind has been allowed to run any avenue it wants to go, do you realize uh, an unguarded gird up the loins of your mind? In other words, you know what they use a girdle for? They pull all that junk in, huh? Weren't you real lot bigger yesterday? Oh, yeah, I got a girdle. When, when our head is all inflated, gird up the loins of the mind. If our minds have been literally allowed to run willy-nilly, you know that God says there is forbidden knowledge. Yet we want to know everything. I want to know this. I want to know that. I want to know that. Carnal knowledge. See, gird up the law. See, most people's minds are like a hamster on a wheel. And it's connected right to their tongue. They think everything that goes through their head needs to be said. It's a terrible thing. And some, they're ball bearing galled and it won't move anymore. And the hamster's just trying to move. And he just, they just sit there. How are you doing? It's all kind of the wrong belief system. We can go in that. We'll get into more of that. And the next one, the last one I, is 
is, is little environmental influences. Past experiences, wrong belief systems, systems, environmental influences. The things that are around you can influence you. Evil companionships corrupt good manners. And so when we hang around, if you hang with an angry man, you'll become angry. If you, uh, you know, you got a playboy pin up on your wall, I can't imagine why you have a lustful spirit. You get it? Environment, the things you put you, well, you know, I'm, I've been sober for a month now, but I like to hang around the bar room. All my friends go there. Uh, okay, just throw that chip away. <laughs> You're going to get drunk. Huh? I'm witnessing to them. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Stay home. We're going to get into all those. I can assure you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you walk with this, I want to tell you, I believe this is an arena in Christianity that most people never enter into. I believe most literally die in the infant stage, slaughtered like the babies in, that Rachel wept over. They never grow up to win victory. They never grow up to develop thought. Or like in some home for the uh, uh, challenged, they never develop. And that's what most churches have turned into. The spiritually challenged, we never developed a full-grown spiritual man. The Christian in complete armor. You know, I read some years ago, I read William Gurnall's three-part set, set called the, the Christian in the Complete Armor. I've read all of Jack Taylor's stuff, but the Gurnall, the old Puritan writer, three volumes set, every book was this thick. I mean, it's literally, this guy wrote for years on the, on the Christian engaging in the warfare. Yet we just say, you know, we, we write a, you know, a spiritual warfare. We sing a warfare song. Whoo, whoo, victory. There's victory in Jesus and it never gets to the parking lot. Now, what we're going to show over the next weeks, we're going to go into those very, very deeply. We're going to deal with the strong men that occupy the strongholds. We're going to show you where those strongholds came from, how to root them boogers out. We're going to cast them out, not ask them to leave or brush them off. We're not going to move them away. We're going to cast them out. Glory be to God. So with that said, Glad you joined us. Amazing. These are the shortest hours in the world right here. Uh, it's hard to believe this was an hour, but I'll stop because because uh, it's been an hour. I don't know if we can tarry one hour. So God bless you. Hope to see you next week. If you don't catch this all tonight, tune back into our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. Go catch it. Listen to it. God bless. Get free. Amen. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's Word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.